warmest of greetings to you, and welcome to Happily Ever Teaching, where we help you enthrall your learners in every subject under the sun using the best teaching method known to science storytelling. To do this, we feature special guest educators who are passionately keen for your children to become amazing and successful human beings. I am storyteller Chip Cahoon, and with me this week is. Abby Marison, Education Programme Manager from Festival Bridge, and I was a primary school teacher for 10 years. And Bex, I am a school leader with lots of experience teaching all the way through the primary age ranges and also have experience in initial teacher training as well. And today we are exploring learning outcomes in history and geography with this week's folktale from rural England. You can listen to the story by downloading our sister podcast, Fables and Fairy Tales, or search our website, epictales.co.uk, for The Farmer and the Boggart. There you can sign up to become an epic educator, which will let you stream a video of me telling the story right to your children, get a copy as an ebook or paperback illustrated by the colossally colourful Mario Coelho, download the full audiobook anytime and even pick up some tips for telling the story yourself. Right now though, let's continue our discussion with Abby and Bex here as we explore what Farmer Rob and the Boggart maybe as well can help us teach with geography and history. Bex, can we start with you for the 7 to 11 age range? Yeah, of course you can. Um, so there's lots and lots of opportunities for um, the humanities subjects. And obviously, really, really important that we make sure that our children are skilled um, historians and skilled geographers as well. So not just keeping them lumped together as like topic. So we need to make sure that we are teaching them the skills of a historian and the skills of a geographer. So thinking about historian skills, obviously this story is set in a farming community. So I was thinking that that would give you a great opportunity to explore the history of farming and how it's changed over time. And obviously you could do that in the ages 7 to 11, so in Key Stage 2, but you could also do that all the way down from um, our early years children and into Key Stage 1. So whichever period of history your year group are studying, so whether it's the Stone Age or the Bronze Age or the Tudors or the mm. um, Vikings, you can look at how farming has um, has changed over time. So you can look at that specific time period. How did they farm as a Viking? What did they farm? Um, what crops did they grow? How did they um, like get the crops out of the ground? And then you can look at farming today and compare the differences. Mm. So I was thinking that it would be really interesting that year three um, and year four, so our years ages, seven to nine-year-olds, they look at a lot of um, Stone Age, Bronze Age and Iron Age farming. Um, and that would just be so interesting just to link it in. What if this story was set in the Bronze Age? Yeah. What vegetables might be growing over the grounds and under the grounds? What bargain might farmer Rob might make? This could be a fantastic way of exploring this would be to get the children to adapt the story to yeah. that new setting. I suppose you can do this both with geographical settings or historical settings, just, you know, how would the story change? And yeah, there'd be the difference in food there'd be maybe also the difference in tools as well yeah, um, would there be a difference to advice number two 
Oh, I don't know. There might be. You know how much I love advice number two, and I'm excited <laughs> about it. I mean, you could you could say if it was going to be a, a Stone Age version, maybe this is one of Farmer Rob's ancestors. This could even be his grandmother. Well, no, grandmother in in the Stone Age. That would make her have an incredibly long lifespan. But but still, what advice did she have? Yes, exactly. And it also really links to storytelling, doesn't it? Because storytelling started when we used to pass stories on verbally from generation to generation. And it would Mm -hmm. link to actually what has the grandmother's advice been through the ages? Because children find it really difficult, don't they, to place themselves in the now and then to recognise how long ago past is. Like, I always remember Mm. working in early years and then yesterday is so long ago and, like, they've only been alive five years, so actually a week is a long, long time. And so I think it really helps them to, if they can think, okay, what would the grandmother's advice number two be in each of the farming communities that you study? Mm -hmm. And again, like, I love whole school projects, so you could get the whole school looking at this story and the whole school looking at their particular time of history and looking at farming in their... Um, in the period of history they're studying and then you can compare loads and maybe they can do a presentation. And just um, thinking about um, early years in Key Stage 1, you could even set up a a farm in your maybe outdoor um, area or in your continuous provision that the children can access so they can really uh, immerse themselves into what farming would be like in whatever period of history you're looking at in your particular setting. So I got really excited about farming. Yeah, you're so right, Bex, because I think when you're thinking about, particularly with reception, that that sense of time and yesterday, tomorrow, today, having something like the continuous provision where you as the the educators can role play some of that language and talk about how long things take to grow and and just give that sense of time, because in, in terms of progression, you've got to get that before you can move on to all of those other things you were talking about. So that sounds like a a nice way to to do that. And just thinking back to what we were talking about last week with the the sort of PSHE themes here about heroes and key workers, this could be a really good way of drumming in just how important farming has been. The fact that it's, you know, it's it's one of the oldest jobs we have. In fact, it's the first job that really took us from being just another animal, if you like, the the hunter-gatherer type creature that we were to the social creature that we are now. So you could argue that that farming has been really instrumental in the development of um, human history. And there's probably no easier way to get that across, even to our younger learners. I completely agree that um, even just thinking about farming and and that on a smaller scale to yourselves being more gardening. And uh, Mm. as we mentioned last week, allotments and the the benefits to your well-being and uh, the health benefits and how rewarding it is to grow something yourself and then eat the produce that you're making yourself. And I was just going to say a great opportunity. I think we talked about it last week to get members of your community. And if you do have local farms um, and local farmers who would come in or get your children out to a farm to see it actually happening today. Because sometimes I find the children can't imagine what it must be like to wake up at three o'clock in the morning to have to go and combine harvester your field because that's the best time of day to do it in where you're not disturbing other people. And the other thing that uh, one of our local farms does that I find really interesting is they buy machinery together and then share it around the um, local farms. They buy one carbine harvester and then share it. So I think as well, you can link again back to that PSHE of um, like working together as a team and we can link all the way back to last week with this um, history Farming day, farming week, everyone could come dressed as a farmer from their uh, time period as well. I love a bit of dressing up and role play. 
And I think it's worth remembering that the story itself is historical. So, mm. yes, if you are comparing modern farming practices with the farming practices of Farmer Rob, then you are still exploring the history of it, aren't you? And definitely, um, so there's one of the uh, topics, history topics in year five and six. So that's our nine, 10 and 11 year olds. Um, it's all about World War One. And, and if you link it into there's a book, War Horse Court by Michael Morpurgo, that talks about mm, how the yes. farm, the land with horses. So again, another great link in, um, linking in this story to the curriculum areas. It's just, I love the power of storytelling. It's just great. And, and I love the way that you've managed to link in to more of your passions there, Bex, one of which is World War One stories and the other one being horses. So. <laughs> always a way to sneak those in. It's like Ellen and her maps. There's always a way. Um, oh, I, th I think I'll probably uh, jump in with maps shortly then. <laughs> Oh, well, go ahead. What, what have you got for us with, with maps for the younger years? Well, it's, it's not necessarily for the younger years. It's just I've been working with some schools in Ipswich um, and they have this amazing resource at The Hold. And because I've been working with them, I found out that they keep all of these resources online for teachers, just freely accessible. From working with Historic England as well, they can actually work with individual schools to provide packs of maps that go back over time of what is their own school and the, the area Amazing. directly around it. Yeah, because what, what, what they can do is they can help you um, layer each map so they can show you it now and they can show uh -huh. you it last year and 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And yeah, they could take you back to probably when that land was used for agriculture or used for farming. And um, it's just amazing look, looking at each individual school and community around yeah. the school at looking at how it's changed and what things have stayed because it really affects the um, the road names and the school names because mm. for, for certain schools, you know, they take their names from what was going on around mm. them. So there's some lovely history skills in that. And, and you can use that, I think, across the entire school because a map is very visual. Um, you can either go for a walk and follow a, a fairly simple version of a map uh, mm. and just point out key places and say, you know, where, where's the shop? Where's your house? Where's your... So that mm -hmm. young people have something to refer to in, in terms of their uh, sense of direction, which uh, I can always use help with. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, you, there's so much scope for how in-depth you get with that, um, mm. with, with those maps. So uh, certainly worth finding out for your area whether your local library has the same kind of resource. Oh, that's brilliant. I really hope Helen's listening to this because she would absolutely love that if she does <laughs> it already. She'll, she'll, you... be, she'll be looking up all the maps. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But yeah, that's the perfect blend of history and geography as well, which is wonderful. So should we carry on with, I'll just carry on with geography then. I'll, um, go for and it. And then go back to the last kind of history idea I had, because I think it links like you said, the, the maps really links in that historical element of understanding how our local context has changed over time and then linking it mm -hmm. into the farming skills of like looking at how farming's changed over time. But you could also use the maps for geography skills. So looking at the human and physical features of the land now and the land in the past at the time that the story was set, perhaps. Um, and um, 
as quite a lot of people might know, I quite enjoy moving the story to a different um, continent or a different location in the world to get really embed that and the skills of the children knowing the names of the continents, of the seas that are around each of the kind of our major seas and oceans. so I think that it would be a really, really great opportunity for us just to to move the story to a different continent. And then, again, you can compare the climate. So if the climate's um, drier, what could the farming um, community in that continent or country grow? Mm. And therefore, what would the Boggett and Farmer Rob be arguing about? And then, again, you can link back to what would advice number two be in this place? So I think we've got – there's plenty uh-huh. of scope, again, and maybe if you've got um, an all-through primary that you're a part of, each of the year groups could take a different continent because there's um seven year groups in the school including early years and you can all have a different continent and look at setting the story somewhere else and talking about therefore what difference would that make to what the farming um what w- might be eaten and then linking yeah. it to what advice number three might be so and then maybe the the children could even draw maps linked to the mm-hmm. uh, maps that they found of our a local area and draw maps and, and create a key of human and physical features of the farm and the town and um, say like Mumby and then compare it to a different town on a different continent in a different place mm-hmm. so I love I love that I'd love some languages coming into that as well so oh, you've yeah, got great. greetings and counting in in seven different languages so you know <laughs> just numbers one to ten and just kind of hellos and goodbyes not quite sure what the word farmer would be in ten different languages or particularly the boggart <laughs> don't know how that would translate well but, in uh, well in we we said last week didn't we that boggarts come in all shapes and sizes for different parts of um, well certainly different parts of the UK I'm sure they're you know you get goblins in in different guises all over the world but farm farmer definitely must have um a a word in every single language because it is so instrumental i'm glad though abby that you've sort of taken us into um the realms of subjects outside geography and history because i suddenly thought do you know what our bogger explodes in this ball of fire And if you knew that, but you were also aware of the struggles we have today surrounding climate change, actually, you might not want that to happen. So knowing advice number two today, perhaps another challenge for our young learners might be, how do you actually stop the boggart exploding into this ball of fire and contributing to um, the climate change? I mean, this is probably more of a a science question than a a humanities one, but um, could certainly be uh, one to explore. I think at primary as well, you do often think cross-curricular, but like Vex was saying earlier, you still need to bring out the skills in every single individual subject. So Mm -hmm. um, with storytelling, because it can lend itself into so many different directions, as, as we found out through this series, but it's really nice to think about global issues like climate change and, and mm-hmm. think, OK, if you're going to be, as we said last week, this responsible citizen of the of the world or of Mumbi, how what what will you need to make sure you're doing um, and, and some sort of come up with some top tips on, on how to be a good citizen of Mumbi, maybe? Yeah. And I think just linking back to what you were saying, Abby, about the different languages, just thinking about um, obviously in key stage two, so our seven to 11 year olds, they need to learn um, another language. Um, but also it gives you the opportunity to celebrate um, children who are from other cultures in your school. So a chance to celebrate, perhaps yeah. you can link those um, the continents that you pick for each year group to what uh, 
children um, and specific cultures uh, that they come from so that then they can be the teachers and they can teach their classmates how to say hello, how to count to 10 and what they might um, have farmed when they used to live in another country, um, what they, how you might say farmer. So I think giving them that, giving them that mantle of the expert responsibility of teaching and the other children would just be amazing. So I think that kind of links into modern foreign languages as well we snuck it into history and geography just there it's it's that power it's 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 what we're being asked to do as educators for cultural capital and it's that power for young people of recognizing themselves um in what they're learning and that sharing that everyone's different it's uh it's really important I love the fact that obviously the pocket is a mythical creature. And then I was just thinking about um, in year three and year four, you can look at ancient Greece and you can look at, there's so many like mythical creatures. Um, so I was thinking that you could really, really look at the, um, the bogget as a mythical creature. And I was thinking um, in a, history lesson looking at the all the greek um myths and legends and all the uh creatures like the minotaur and maybe making a set of um top trumps uh that talk about the powers of all of the um the different mythical creatures oh, and including a bogget which mm-hmm. hopefully will link to um some of the ideas that we, we've got for art which are coming later in the week which is just like a little spoil no little um what is it? A taster. Teaser. teaser that's it. A little <laughs> teaser for everybody. But yeah, I was thinking top trumps might, would be great. And then the children can play against each other um, and they can think about the powers that the bogget does have. Because I think mm-hmm. we, we've been saying quite a lot, haven't we, that actually, does he really want to explode? Is it actually could Farmer Rob have helped him not to explode and um, set himself on fire? And maybe they could have worked together. I don't know. But um, just looking at the positives of the bogget as well. So that was my final history idea. Perfect. I want to come to your school. That sounds. <laughs> <laughs> I want. I to don't play... have the energy to do some of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I want to play top trumps with. <laughs> I have done top trumps before. They do like it. Yeah, it's it's a great thing to do. Definitely. That's all we have time for today, folks. If you try out any of these ideas, or if you'd like us to help you teach a topic you are soon to cover with your young learners, please let us know on social media using at Teach Happily. Or leave us a review using your favourite podcast app. Please also share this podcast with your colleagues and help us start a story-led revolution in classrooms around the world so children everywhere can enjoy effective and lifelong learning. Tomorrow, Farmer Rob and the Boggart will help us teach design and technology. But right now, it only remains for us to say cheerio and we hope to hear your story soon. So, cheerio! Cheerio. And we we hope hope to hear hear your your story story soon. soon!